welcome to Game of Owns episode 171. It's Monday. We've got Micah in one corner, Selena in the other, and myself, I'm running back and forth like a crazy person between the third and Fun! fourth. Third. <laughs> welcome back, <laughs> Selena. It is great to have you back on our show. Oh, thank you. Back in the cage. <laughs> Selena, representing oh, it's a cage the match now? It is. It is. Yeah. I guess um, in each of our corners. Yeah, no, I'm glad to be back. I've missed, I've missed it. This thing they call podcasting. Ooh. Well, Selena, is that you the crowd I hear in the background? That, that's <laughs> the, that. Yes, that is the cheering crowd. A, uh, <laughs> Your radiator. Yes, Selena, you have um, been away, uh, busy, occupied. I hope uh, doing mm. fun things. While we've actually made quite a few. Uh, quite a little bit of progress uh, i know so much has happened the... in these chapters i just i i caught up and i was like this is this is like everything that happened in the show like this is the meat of the story well i, I was surprised too and i i think people who you know haven't really read before were, were very shocked at the revelation in the last john snow chapter uh and of course last week we had two john snow chapters sansa in between and there was just there were a lot of revelations namely john with his dream. Mm-hmm. And that was... He's a skin changer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're Harry. a warg, John. <laughs> yeah. And also the episode uh, that you probably could have helped me out a lot on was the Danny one when she's in the House of the Undying because just so much stuff so happens different. in that chapter. Yeah, so different. I what did, what did you think about that, Eric? No, I, I liked it a lot. I, I thought the Red Wedding... Um, nod mm-hmm. was very ballsy, yeah. and um, yeah, and also that maybe it was some sort of afterlife scene where it's like you know Rob walking around with the wolf on him. Well, it's his funny body. because I mean, this is at this point in the story. I mean, we, this is not the chapter we're discussing today, but just briefly, you know, this that part of the story. You had no idea. Like it wasn't a oh, it's a spoiler because there was no way you could have known. I don't think. By reading that chapter, that it was—that's how it would happen because it, everything was so surreal in that whole scene. That the the wolf head thing—it was just like that—that that didn't make any sense. Obviously, he—you know—it's just you would think, oh, it's just representing him, you know, being one with his with his wolf, especially considering the John's dream, like a work kind of thing. So so cleverly done. And George, I mean, where, where does he get this stuff? The, yeah, the last couple chapters with the last couple characters we've looked at, we find the characters in in either either like great places or, or not very good places at all. Um, for instance, Jon Snow has just gotten like, you know, a new set of powers which may help him on his journey. Um, but Sansa is now a woman and she's now, you know, facing the prospect of being married off to Joffrey. So there's that. Danny has had this, you know, hallucination or this experience in the House of the Undying, which may prepare her for what she's got to face. Um, but uh, Bran and Rickon are on the run, and Theon is reigning supreme up in Winterfell. So it's really kind of an interesting part. Selena, of the so book. much has happened. It, it, look at what's happened when you're not around. Like all, everything just goes to I hell. Know. Everything goes it to hell. Just Selena. goes down. Yeah. <laughs> When I'm not there, to, but it's so funny because I mean this book. We I've I've really enjoyed reading this book, but it's a very slow book. And then all of a sudden now, it's like vroom, you know everything just happens now. I what think. was that like, Selena? Vroom. 
<laughs> I agree. I agree completely. And, that and not annoying. that these chapters are slow. I guess action-wise, you can say they're slow. Like, they've interested me while reading for the first time. Um, but now, as you say, I mean, just these chapters are all the more exciting when crazy, amazing things are happening. Of course, then we get to this uh, to this episode's chapter, which we're talking about. Tyrion, Nomoro, uh Seven o. Don't say. Twelve o. Twelve. Dies. Once. Doce. Doce. Trece. Catorce. Quince. Okay, so it's doce, right? Or don't say. Anybody say? Don't say. Don't say what it is. I don't know. It's it's Spanish. I don't know. I speak Danish. What's what's Danish for twelve? Tut. What? Tut. Oh, okay. There you have it. Can you say it? Tut. Tyrion. Tut. Tut. This. <laughs> Sounds like we're marching. Yeah. But before we start talking about uh, this Tyrion chapter, we did want to read uh, some of the feedback we got uh, from you guys. Of course. On the last few episodes uh, that we did. And uh, the first actually comes from Silas Alexander on Facebook. Silas. What a and, name. Uh, he actually agreed. I like the name Silas. Oh, I mean, too. Yes. I wish I had the name Silas. My parents did not have I that know. particular foresight to name me silas uh and he he actually agreed uh with my own from uh the chapter on friday he says by far the biggest own in the upcoming john chapter is squire dalbridge's unspoken understanding of the half hands instructions and he quotes uh from corin from there one man could hold a hundred the right man he looked at squire dalbridge the squire bowed his head Leave me as many arrows as you can spare, brothers. <laughs> the implicit understanding and underlying honor in the conversation reminds us as readers that these are two of the absolute best men of the watch. Accepting a suicide mission instantly without question, that's a move worthy of the utmost respect. Pure own for Squire Dalbridge and for the many enemies that sprouted new feathers after they crossed his path. Yes, the trouble with these brave loyal men who accept suicide missions immediately without any you know question is that they're 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 becoming thinner and fewer as they continue to accept suicide missions and the wall which has precious few of these men to begin with now has one less so i see it as a reverse own although of course it is very honorable um unfortunately the night's watch really needs men like him uh they need a lot more of them yes but will they get them? Ooh. Depends on who takes them seriously. Very true. Well, we got another comment on Facebook also, uh, based on the Sansa chapter that we read last Wednesday. Andrew Robillard, uh, scrawling, says, Hump Day owns, go (laughs) to the hound. Sansa, quote, does it give you joy to scare people? End quote. Hound, quote, no, it gives me joy to kill people. End quote. Uh, yeah, that uh, conversation between Sansa and the Hound was kind of really disturbing because, let's face it, the Hound is kind of a, a one-trick pony. You know, he's he's all about murder, and mm-hmm. he, he relishes this idea of killing other people. Indeed. Mm-hmm. And he just says it with such simplicity. Sometimes he has a, a purpose. Sometimes there are bad eggs that need to be, uh, you know, trash that need to be taken out. Sometimes killing them could be uh, construed as being honorable and other times it's just because they looked at him the wrong way yeah he's a strange character to know what to feel about it's true um so in addition to uh facebook we did get some 
comments on winnerscoming.net. One in particular from Lady Smallfoot. Selena, would you like to read this? I would love to read it. Lady Smallfoot writes, another great episode. I am really enjoying those longer episodes, more than usual, I mean. I understand Eric's frustration with John's actions, but I personally felt they made perfect sense for someone his age and with his upbringing and lack of experience. It was honorable, naive, and typical of a young Stark. But the responsibility of letting Igrit free lies on half-hand and not on John, and here is where I disagree with you. I don't think that someone as intuitive and experienced as a half-hand would just be playing mind games with John at the expense of the safety of his team. I suspect that Corrin had something in mind and was already considering sending John with the wildlings at this point in time or has even thought about it a long before. The incident with a great help Corrin determine if John was suitable for such a task. It showed that John has a lot in common with Man's Raider and is thus likely to gain his trust. He doesn't blindly follow orders, can empathize even with an enemy. It also ensured that John has gained Igrid as an ally now. It is also possible that Corrin already suspected John, suspected John to be a warg and the wildlings respect wargs. He was totally not surprised by his visions and someone with his experience beyond the wall would realize that a guy followed by a giant wild animal and has extreme control over it has at least potential to be a warg. <laughs> if you remember, Corrin has specifically asked for John to go with him because of his wolf. Was he already thinking of John as his plan B? All this is not very well depicted in the show, so I get your confusion. But in the books, it made sense, at least to me. And the more you read, the more sense it will make. I know that Corrin was taking a calculated risk here. He probably thought they had a very small chance of survival or that having a spy is worth the risk. The team's true mission was to discover what Mance is doing, not just come back alive. In fact, the whole expedition beyond the wall was a huge risk, but it was still necessary. Finally, my own goes to George R. R. Martin for making me think Bran was dead and taking John from the grave. And talking to John from the grave. I wanted to give it to Corn Halfhand, but I am saving that for later. Thanks for all the fun. <laughs> you don't have to talk On that for the note, rest of the I am accepting jobs for um, you know, audiobook narration. <laughs> <laughs> I can you know, do Selena, this. <laughs> I don't think we'll have to pay you because I can take ever I can take each word that you said in that email and then make any story. And make it into <laughs> any word. <laughs> well Lady Smallfoot has done me a favor, uh, or a kind I totally agree with her. I think Corin had this plan all yeah, along. Yeah, it's definitely a new way of looking at it, and uh, it's definitely a kind service to point that out to me. So thank you, ladies. Yes, Smallfoot. thank you very much for that very, very long comment. And I think, you know, we it'd be interesting to get other listeners' feedback on this, but I think, absolutely, John, it was it was a point, you know. He was meant to go there, and I think his the thing with the grid was just showed the character. And I agree, the young Stark stubbornness can be a little bit annoying sometimes. Oh, yeah, I'm... I mean, yeah. can. It's part of the I just traits. felt that he really left them in a whole lot of danger. Um, but I, I, I can see where um, Lady Smallfoot is coming from. And also, it really ultimately was Quorn's uh, fault anyway for not leaving a man to make sure that Egret was captured or, you know, killed. Or, as he said, you know, if I wanted her dead, I'd have killed her myself or something like that. So um, clearly he didn't want her to die, which is kind of like, well, I fall back on the, the term mind game just because he's playing with John's emotions, but he is getting to know him better um, and perhaps measuring him against this assignment that he may one day have for him. So uh, definitely very, very insightful. Agreed. Mm. And that, uh, I believe, concludes uh, some of the comments we got from previous chapters. Now it is time to move on to Theon. (laughs) Now it is time to move on to Tyrion 12, as we said. Theon, you're jumping way ahead in the week. You just want to get uh, no, to Theon, well, don't just you? a Friday's... Freudian I'm looking slip. for the weekend. Oh, yeah. 
You're just going to um, skip over Thanksgiving. You just want to go straight to the weekend. Is that so it? Tyrion uh, is called into this room. <laughs> yes. This is a great chapter. It's it's interesting. It is certainly... It's, mm. Well, basically, this is just the own of all owns in this chapter. Tyrion is called in, as Eric said, to this room where Cersei is uh, ready to lay the smackdown on him in every possible way. Um they have what do they start by discussing they start by discussing um, the letter the letter yes exactly what's in the letter it's the letter it's a it's the letter that says that bran and rickon yes. have been killed at the hands mm-hmm. of theon greyjoy yeah that's kind of making its way around the kingdom right now you know <laughs> everybody all the factions are, are reacting to this which we know i mean spoiler alert um, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> that's okay, right? I can say that. Um, that they, they are not dead. <gasps> and, um, you know, they, they discuss this and, and they uh, they talk about the possibility that maybe um, now that, that two of the Stark children are dead, that they might kill Jamie, and they react to that. But then Cersei and, and Tyrion, their little discussion kind of escalates, and that's when she brings in her big trump card. Oh my god, Cersei has totally tricked everybody and found Tyrion's whore. <laughs> yeah. Except, of course, as we know, she is not as smart as she thinks she is, and she has found the wrong whore. This was quite a big build-up. Um, I mean, this isn't the whore you're looking for. <laughs> the way George wrote it, though, we really thought, even for some time, when even yeah. she's she's in the room, she's described as being bound with cuts to her forehead, etc. Mm-hmm. And Tyrion is looking at her and dealing with Cersei. We only find out, I think, when he walks up to her. He throws in the noun that it was alayaya, mm-hmm. um, alayaya. the prostitute, yeah. alayaya, yeah, yeah, uh, from the from the brothel um, that Tyrion had frequented with the secret wardrobe uh, back to it to get down to where Shay actually was being held at the time. Um, the issue was mm-hmm. that Cersei and Tyrion are, are are always locked in this grapple of power or control, and she is she basically warns Tyrion that he is relying too much on Varys. Um, and there's a great quote at some point where she says, a couple years ago, um, you know, I thought Varys was my truest friend in in the kingdom, but I've since found other ways mm-hmm. of finding information, and you should too. Basically, she, she is meaning to threaten Tyrion because um, this is all about, really, this is all about the captives that they have. The beginning of the chapter was about Sansa, they're a little worried, you know, because they have Sansa. Cersei thinks that that's going to be good enough to keep Jaime safe. Um, but then she feels that Tyrion is holding Tommen. And really, the the whole reason she got this this horror of Tyrion's is to ensure that Joffrey and Tommen come to no harm in the upcoming mm-hmm. weeks. But how crazy is Cersei at this point, though? And I think the true emotions really start to show through when she says... You know, you sold Marcella, you stole Tommen, and now yeah. you're planning to kill Joffrey. Mm-hmm. And Tyrion has a real, real character moment there where he basically says, look, they're my family. Yeah. These people are my blood. I'm not going to do anything that would bring harm to them, even Joffrey, who, let's face he it. He does admit it's tempting to <laughs> see, you know, a world exactly. where Joffrey isn't an obstacle, but he still says, yeah, I wouldn't do this. And yet Cersei, for whatever reason, just doesn't seem to believe him. And mm. she's willing she to hold... She hates him. I mean, she's just, she's totally blinded by what he is and, and the fact that she still has this very childish, very, very realistic, real-life grudge against him because 
he's the reason that her mother is dead, ultimately. You know, that's what it all comes down to for Tyrion. And yeah, Cersei. I mean, her actions didn't strike me as being crazy, necessarily, but she is being over overly cautious. She's she's really doing too much. She's She's fighting against the wrong enemy, essentially. She's fighting against her brother, as we just stated. Um, and she really shouldn't be. That shouldn't be a concern of hers because Tyrion, we trust, the readers trust, to have the Lannister, his family's best interests at heart at all times. Um, Tommen, Tommen yeah. is safer. He's a decent human being, but she just mm-hmm. she's blind. She doesn't see it. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And given what happens at the beginning of this chapter, and, and forgive me because it's weird to see it played out this way where all these different, groups are finding out about what's happened to Bran and Rickon as Catelyn does in the next chapter without us actually having experienced yet Theon presenting the bodies of Bran and Rickon before all of Winterfell so it's it's a little bit out of sync in terms of timing at least because I don't remember reading that yet and Eric you can correct me if I'm wrong but the last time we left Theon him and Reek were going up to the uh the mill, right? To... Yeah, there was a fair degree of certainty that for some reason, whatever Reek was hiding in his backpack um, gave a, a very good indication of where uh, Bran and Rickon really were. And I think it ends, that that chapter in particular ended with Theon grinning, Reek beside him grinning. It seemed really hopeful and really dastardly that they were going to go. And, and, and at this point, I think Theon does say he will kill them. He said that, no, now they've pissed me off. They've annoyed me. I'm going to go kill them. And the fact that this letter is now circulating, it's been a while since we've seen or heard from Bran or Theon, you do kind of believe it happens off screen, but you're meant to believe it because he's he's announced this death uh, of these two these two boys, and it's already reached King's Landing, which means you know some time has passed here, uh, enough for a crow to fly that far south and over to uh, River Run in the west. Um, so... Yeah, I, I mean, this is just kind of one of the, the I like I like the fact that it happens off screen, and you know it's something they can't really do in the TV show, um, and they did it differently in the TV show. But ultimately, readers are left asking, "Oh my God, did he really kill them?" Um, yeah, <laughs> and and so what I was kind of trying to tie that into was, you know, Cersei is is clearly a mother and very concerned about her children, but. Tyrion is doing what's in their best interest, and certainly, given what she's just found out about Bran and Rickon, she should be a little bit more open-minded, I think. you know, What does she want to happen to her children should Stannis be victorious and sack the city? Uh, they're going to die if they're there, and Tyrion has ensured that now both Marcella and Tommen are safe. Are not there? Yeah, it's just it. It's so strange that she doesn't see it. She's so she's so paranoid. At the it's time. true. She does get into sort of an overprotective mode uh, regarding Joffrey. For I mean, but Tyrion wants to take the Hound from him too. Um, you know, yeah. from his side and assign him somewhere else. And so you can see how these little actions that t- clearly he doesn't intend to freak Cersei out like this. Um, but she does get freaked out. She does get really down and dirty in this whole situation, the fact that she has captured whom she believes to be Tyrion's whore at court. But I think, just to go back for a second, I think Tyrion's trying to make a point, though, given that the Kettle Blacks have been made members of the King's Guard. He's saying, basically, 
you should have picked them a little bit better if you're not comfortable with the fact of the hound leaving Joffrey. Mm-hmm. Here's a passage um, that I wanted to read that, that basically shows the descent that we're talking about. Um, this is Cersei saying, he's 13, Tyrion. And Tyrion says, remember Jamie at 13? If you want the boy to be his father's son, I bet let him does. play the part. Joff wears the finest armor gold can buy, and he'll have a dozen gold cloaks around him at all times. If the city looks to be in the least danger of falling, I'll have him escorted back to the Red Keep at once. He had thought that might reassure her, but he saw no sign of pleasure in those green eyes. Will the city fall? No. But if it does, pray that we can hold the Red Keep long enough for our Lord Father to march to our relief. And she says, You've lied to me before, Tyrion. And he says, Always with good reason, sweet sister. I want amity between us as much as you do. I've decided to release Lord Giles. And actually, as it turns out, this is a little bit of craft work for Tyrion. Um, he had left your, uh, Lord. He had kept Giles safe just for this gesture. You can have Sir Boris Blunt back as well. The Queen's mouth tightened. Sir Boris can rot at Rosby, but Tommen stays where he is. He's safer under Lord Jaslyn's protection than he ever would have been with Lord Giles. Um, so it's just he. It really does have the situation figured out. He's really comfortable with where the men are stationed and protecting the Lannisters. She disagrees, and so she goes and finds out about his whore and really gags and binds and damages uh, this poor girl, uh, Alaya. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But thank God it's not Shay, right? <laughs> well, thank God or not, I don't really know, you know? I mean, because it's it's... Why is it a good thing? I mean, it still just shows bad things about... Um, Cersei, but I also think it just it serves to show what a good person Tyrion is because he still cares about Alaya. He still wants to save her, and so he's still trying to save her, even though it's not Shay. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So it's making Tyrion's life a little bit easier, and it's giving us a new, even more proof that he's a good person. But ultimately, I don't know how much it matters at this well, point. Well, this girl's. Um you know, trials and suffering are weighing on his consciousness. At the end of the chapter, when Tyrion goes yeah. back to bed, he, he doesn't, you know, he finds Shay there, and, and she's as inviting as ever. Um, but he doesn't sleep with her. In fact, he can't sleep with her. He has this guilt over what is happening with this girl. But before that, back when he's in the chamber, and Cersei doesn't expect this at all, he threatens that anything that happens to this girl, including... Um, you know, beatings or rape will happen uh, to Tommen, who Cersei sees, yeah. who Cersei sees as as being Tyrion's prisoner. And this is, mm-hmm. and she says, "You wouldn't dare." I mean, this is really the point. And he where, said, "I'd do it myself." <laughs> yeah. Tyrion is playing the monster, but he would never do but, it. No, you he know? wouldn't. But he is. You're right. He is playing the monster that she to to get her to chill out basically you know to leave Alaya alone and it just shows to what extent he would go to keep her safe but he would never actually do it we know no, this but but really it shows that he's really playing into this image of the monster that his sister has not really willingly he's been forced into it but he's versatile because he can no. do that and he can be believed as being that girl. but I will say one thing though there there is a moment and I don't think it's you know, he's not pretending in any way. When he says to Cersei, and, and the quote that I have here is, I have never liked you, Cersei, but you are my own sister, so I never did you harm. You've mm. ended that. I will hurt you for this. I don't know how yet, 
but give me time. A day will come when you think yourself safe and happy, and suddenly oh. your joy will turn to ashes in your mouth, and you'll know the debt is paid. That is so prophetic. I hope. <laughs> I hope. I don't know. But here, it's so scary. Yeah, he just, he's had enough of her. And this, I, I really believe he means what he's saying here, just because she's pushed it too far. And even though it's not Shay, He's just looking at this girl, seeing what Cersei has done to her now for really no reason whatsoever. And there's something that changes in his character in this moment. Yeah, it's a near miss on Cersei's part, but it hits way too close for Tyrion Tyrion to continue this joyful, jovial relation with his sister. Mm -hmm. Yeah, It's it's really a huge moment. For for them in general, because he's been so lenient. She's always hated him, but he's always been so lenient. And now it's just, it crosses the line. He's finally, I think, he's always loved her because she's like Jamie and he loves Jamie. But now at this point, he's separated them completely. Let's talk about owns. Okay. I should, we should talk about owns. Is anyone's own that final quote? I was going to do that, but I just feel like that's too easy now. But it's, how can it not be, you know? I'm going to give my own to Tyrion for this poor guy, everything that he's just gone through with his sister. He has to walk all the way up to his bedroom. His legs are aching. His back is probably sore. He gets into the room. There's this beautiful woman lying on the bed with, you know, the, 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 what is it, like the gold chain around her neck. That's all that she's Mm -hmm. wearing. She makes some really, uh, dirty comment too about those hands and I'm just going to leave it at that but not only is he just riddled with everything that's happened but he's he's like alright you know what how did you get up here I want to know yeah. and he just starts looking for all of these secret passages within his room and he's trying everything possible like he's like pushing stones and like trying to open his wardrobe in weird places and I don't know I just give him an own for never stopping he just keeps going no matter what Mm. I am. Um, I want to give my own to Alayea. Oh darn it! I think I thought uh-huh. she was gonna sneak by unnoticed. <laughs> nope. Um, I just think that I mean Tyrion was stone poker face in that situation, but Tyrion had nothing to lose. She managed, you know, when when she had been beaten up and just horribly treated, she got that thing off, and he like sweetling, you must be brave, and then she just plays along with it so well, you know with saying I know you'll free me my lord and she even kisses him like with her bloody lips and Tyrion remarks on it you know it's a bloody kiss is more than I deserve because it's his fault and Elaya has only something to lose you know she can if she said you know it's not me it's someone else like who knows maybe they would let her go maybe they'd probably kill her but that would be her best chance of being let go but she stays she keeps she keeps up the act it's true even under so much pressure it's amazing so, team, Alayea. Indeed. <laughs> Sorry if I mispronounced your name. <laughs> I'm joining that. I'm joining that team as well. That is also my own for this chapter. And how about Varys? Uh, Just knowing all of these secret passages. <laughs> yeah. He he's he gets around King's Landing, or at least uh, inside the uh, the castle walls. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. But I'm I'm kind of over him at the moment. Um, we're still not quite sure how. Cersei did find out about the whore, although she alluded that it wasn't. In fact, Varys. Um, mm-hmm. Varys is questioning loyalty 
as it should be questioned um, and is continually mm -hmm. questioned and put to the test well, is really just getting on my nerves. I'm not sure about that, though, because I feel that Varys and Tyrion are still very much close. And I think that he probably is smart enough to give up information that he feels will not fully compromise Tyrion's plans. Obviously, at the same time, that works in Varys' own interest, and he does things that will benefit himself. But I still feel as if the relationship between Varys and Tyrion is quite strong and this one situation with the hound, uh, you know, and the fact that he let this slip is just, it's a passing thing. It's, it's not as, as big of a problem as we make it out to be. We got some emails uh, now that I would like to read um, just over the last couple of days, and we'll tell you how you can send your email in right afterwards. Uh, but the first one comes from Tim Mulligan. He says, hey, guys and gal. I have to start off by admitting that on my first read-through of A Clash of Kings, I fully believed that George had killed Bran and Rickon. Mm. Last we heard about them was this sketchy Reek character telling Theon he knows where they are. Then there isn't another Bran chapter until the end of the book. Everyone thinks they are dead. On the other hand... Yeah, I thought they were mm -hmm. dead. There you go. I think I flipped ahead when I first <laughs> read the book to see if there was another <laughs> Bran chapter. Uh, from Beyond the Grave, perhaps. I was so angry. I really thought they were dead. I was like, everyone has died. This is terrible. I'm never reading this again. <laughs> I didn't have the same reaction with the Red Wedding, though. At that point, I was just like, oh, oh another yeah. Stark died. Oh, okay, at least it wasn't, least it wasn't my favorite, right, Bran? <laughs> it just wasn't Bran. It wasn't Rickon. Oh, my God. Um, anyway, uh, Tim continues, on the other hand, I don't think any of our unsullied friends believed for a second that Bran and Rickon were dead. And if they did, it was only until the end of the episode. I assume he means on the TV series. I'm also surprised yeah. how long it took them in the TV show to tell Rob and Catelyn that the boys were killed because this is a huge part of her motivation in her decision to free Jamie. Even after they hear the news mm -hmm. on the show, Rob is kind of optimistic that they might be alive, which I found strange. All this to say uh, that it, this was one of George's best hoodwinks of the series. And it is a shame it really did translate... Uh, onto screen without the same effect. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I, that's one of the things in the show that I think translated the worst. I mean, you can't nothing. Ev not everything can be perfect, and it's fine. It's fair enough. But the fact that they didn't, that they didn't try to at least give the illusion that they were really dead, for longer. One of the first fifteen episodes of of this show uh, is when uh, when we are responding to that episode. And I think that even then we agreed that it, it didn't seem at all suspicious. Um, and we, we felt that they were probably still alive. Um, so, yeah, I think a lot of people did. Not, just people who are watching the television series itself, not the uh, not book readers. And it wasn't very compelling by any stretch of the imagination. In, indeed. Um, next email comes from Justine Morris. Uh, Selena, would you like to read that one? Yes, I would. Justin Morris, Justine Morris writes, Oh, I have gathered from perusing the internet that Sansa is not everybody's favorite character in Game of Thrones. <laughs> what? Some people say that she is a weak and pathetic little girl. I, I don't even feel comfortable reading this, guys. <laughs> 
um, people wish she was more like Arya. However, I don't think people really understand her story. Sansa is surviving in King's Landing the same way Arya is surviving in the wild. If the roles were switched, Arya would not survive two weeks in King's Landing and Sansa would not survive in the woods. They each have their own skills that keep them alive. I wish people gave Sansa more credit. Love this show. You guys get my own smiley face. I, you know, it's great. I mean, I, this is a great, great email. I think a lot of our listeners feel this way. And I know for, for our part, I don't think we've ever been guilty of of Sansa bashing because it but it does happen a lot but I think a lot of most people that I've talked to actually the Sansa lovers are far bigger faction than the Sansa haters because everybody kind of understands at this point in the series that she has she's gone through a huge a huge development and just because she started in a very different place from Arya doesn't make her any less interesting or any less brave she's just brave in a different way and i think people understand that for the most part yeah and the, the thing is at least from my standpoint i think that aria's story is probably a little bit more fun it's just read. more in, like she just goes more places and she you know but absolutely she sansa is is a very difficult character to read at times and i think on uh, Friday's episode, we talked a little bit based on some of the responses that we got, how difficult it was, uh, and and it's been said in a lot of interviews for George R. R. Martin to write her character and to mm-hmm. write from her perspective more so uh, than really anybody else. And uh, she's definitely a, a strong-willed character, though. You have to think mm-hmm. of everything that she's going through uh, in King's Landing, and yet she's able to somehow power through and she develops a lot over the course of the series she's interesting and she's so different from all of the other characters she's the only one who has i mean obviously every character is different but she is the only one who sees the world through these she keeps onto her rose-tinted view of the world for a very very long time and that's that's strong in itself um and then when she when it starts to change i think it's just such an interesting internal evolution that she goes through i think it's it's really yeah, i love where sansa's at in these books and i look forward to seeing where she goes to um she's facing some real threats that are totally unique she's left with no one though i, I think that's the biggest problem right she doesn't yeah. have any friends she has no allies she has this fool sir dantos that may or may not really be her ally and it, that's it at the end of the day. I mean, she has the hound. And, then, and think about what kind of a person he is. <laughs> and then after that, who? Baelish, Cersei, Joffrey. I mean, not really the pick of the litter there. Whereas at least mm-hmm. Bran and Rickon are together. Rob and Catelyn are together. Arya is offending for herself, but you get the sense that she can take care of herself. Whereas Sansa, despite being older, I think she still has a lot of maturing to do. Yeah. yeah, yeah, cool. And the third email, uh, Micah, you want to take it from Ida Dolmer? Sure. All the way from Denmark. <gasps> Selena, do you know this person? <laughs> I probably don't. <laughs> I mean, we are like five million people, okay? <laughs> I thought everybody knew each other. You're all happy neighbors that dance around the Christmas tree together. Oh, yeah, that is kind of what it's like. <laughs> But it All is right, a so really this... big Christmas tree, you know, five million. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I th- yeah, I thought there's just one big town square that you all gather on, like, one wintry <laughs> night in December. 
Yeah, no? kind of. <laughs> it's kind of true. <laughs> Game of Owns, being culturally insensitive since 2013. Go on and read the email, Mike. Okay. All right, uh, this email comes from Ida, and uh, she says, Hi, guys, I uh, just wanted to let you know that I really appreciate your work. I was an avid listener of multiple Harry Potter podcasts years ago, but when Harry Potter ended, I kept having relapses of post-fandom sadness, and I'm so excited about the Fantastic Beast news. Uh, but then a friend introduced me to Game of Thrones, and that lead led me to reading the books. I'm on the third one currently, and to you guys. Podcasting really isn't a very big thing here in Denmark. Mm-hmm. Does she not know who you are, Selena? I don't think she does. I think this is a huge. You're a big deal, and you're <laughs> big into podcasting. Well, we've we've mes- we've misled Ida though over the years because we've always said that Selena is from Sweden. It's true. The truth is, she's really from Denmark. What? (laughs) What? Mind blown. So many reveals this week. We're we're, we're revealing this to Selena. Selena, origins. Well, you've had the day of the Doctor. We learned more about Doctor Who. Now we're learning more about Selena the next day. Oh, more about Selena. Yeah. So Ida goes on to say, So most of my friends and family don't understand why I'm constantly bursting out laughing while riding my bike to school or while walking my puppy. Oh, Aw, puppy. <laughs> this is such a great email. <laughs> I will even sometimes fall asleep at night with you guys in my earbuds and then wake up in the middle of the night completely confused as to why there's somebody in my ear talking about why Theon Greyjoy sucks. <laughs> Sorry, Eric. I, th- I too think he's a complete and utter asshat. Oh, and by the way, I was the girl who tweeted about falling down the stairs while listening <laughs> to you guys. And yes, the bruises on my butt are still there. Now a lovely mix of purple and yellow. So thanks. Please keep it up. I'm loving the chapter by chapter. Love from across the pond. Or in Selena's case, from home. Okay, yeah, she does know that you're... Oh, she does know. You see, it's true. It's true. Podcasting is not very known at all here in Denmark. People don't understand. It's like kind of like Starbucks. It'll come to like Denmark in like 20 years. <laughs> well, we do love hearing, of course, about people listening to us and enjoying listening to us and taking their puppies for a walk and accidentally falling downstairs uh, because of us or while listening to us. Um, So I thought that was an important email to include just to wrap up today's Monday episode. Yeah, it is. And uh, I just wanted to to point out, she did bring up Harry Potter, and uh, we did have another one of our listeners who wrote on Facebook. We read a comment from them earlier, Andrew, and he asked the question, is your podcast regarding the Harry Potter books in the same format as this one? I will start reading the book soon and will follow the podcast if it goes chapter by chapter like this one. Just a thought. Here's an interesting story to Andrew and those who would, uh, who would, who would wonder the same question. Um, our kind of idea for the format of this show, where we are going currently chapter by chapter, springs from an actual segment on our Harry Potter podcast, MuggleCast, of which Selena has also been a part of, and which Mike and I have been a part of since 2005. We had a segment on there called Chapter by Chapter, and we actually did read um, the books from... Now, I believe there was one book that we never read in Chapter by Chapter format. It was... Well, that's not fair to say it like that. Um, It was Half-Blood Prince, and the reason why was because I think the first hundred episodes of MuggleCast were dedicated to... Half-Blood Prince and theorizing what was to come in Death Right. Um, so even though we've never gone specifically 
chapter by chapter, a lot of the content of that book had particularly been strewn uh, about, you know, the first hundred episodes. As so, uh, but the other books, uh, you can actually find, you know, I don't think there exists a definitive list. You'd kind of have to be, be a bit clever with uh, the transcripts going through and, and figuring it out. Um, but we did go book by book. Um, the thing of it is, is I think, though, we did uh, bring in our uh, information from future books. So it may be a spoiler for you to actually start, um, you know, with the first chapter and the chapter thing. Um, That's a good point. So you might want to wait until you finish reading the series to kind of go back and take a listen because we wouldn't want you to get spoiled by anything that we uh, that we bring in to the discussion. Indeed. Um, but there's an, also another uh, podcast out there doing chapter-by-chapter chapter format on Harry Potter called Alohomora. And they may have been. But are you spoilering? Hmm? Uh, no, they actually, they may have been. They may have done a better job than us on MuggleCast at keeping it current with you know starting at one and not so much bringing in the future. Maybe perhaps in certain circumstances, they'll say a character mm-hmm. just the way just the way that we do on this show, though. Oh, in the future, this character may do this um, or something like that. But for the most part, I mean, I'm I'm currently with them on book four. And we are kind of staying less spoilery than than we certainly could. Uh, but uh, anyway, it's tough. It's a tough world out there. I would say, though, that if you're reading Harry Potter, don't slow down to listen to a podcast about it. Um, all that stuff is for later, you know, on rereads. Uh, I, I would recommend just reading and letting the books take you and your imagination where they, the natural destination would be. However, the one thing I will throw in there as we wrap this up is if you get through Half-Blood Prince and would like to hear about theories as it relates to Deathly Hallows, you can listen to the first hundred episodes of Muggle Yes, Cat. that's true. That's uh, actually really... Prior to That's book true. If you want to wait three <laughs> years for book seven the way that we did, uh, you, should li- you should pick up MuggleCast right around there. Um, and we do have people from that show emailing us and telling us that they just started listening and they've caught up and all that other stuff. And that's always great to hear. Um, but uh, Harry Potter aside and Game of Owns uh, at the forefront, we have ways for you to contact us and send in your owns for each week, each episode, each chapter that we do, as well as your normal thoughts and things that are happening in your life, like falling downstairs and riding your bike and, and walking your puppy while listening to us. Uh, if you wanted to contact us via Twitter, we are on Twitter at twitter.com slash gameofowns. We sourced a few comments from Facebook today. You can go to Facebook and scroll upon our wall, facebook.com slash gameofowns. Uh, we do have episodes being published on winteriscoming.net, and the comments section of each of those posts is usually full of great discussion on the chapters that we are currently reading. And what else am I forgetting? Oh, yes, email. You can email us at any time. The address is contact at gameofowns.com. Yes, uh, you can also leave us a review on iTunes. It is still the month of November, so nothing less than five stars is acceptable. We'll read some of your reviews later on in the week. And Selena now, apparently certain people from Denmark know, don't know anything about podcasts that you are on. So please tell us. I'll print the flyers. <laughs> please, please tell us what podcasts do you do and bring great uh, prestige to Denmarkians everywhere. Danes, I think, right? Okay. Um, at the moment, I yeah, at the moment, um, <laughs> not that much. <laughs> um, but usually you will be able to listen to me on a <laughs> show called Hype. 
HYPE, which is a general entertainment pop culture news podcast, which is a lot of fun. You can also listen to me on Vampire Hype, which is about the vampire diaries. I know, I know. <laughs> it's a guilty pleasure. Um, <laughs> you know, I think that's it. I think that's it, guys. Well, hopefully it gives a few more uh, venues where people can find you. And I believe that wraps up this Monday episode. I want to challenge both of you, though, prior to our, our Wednesday episode. I want you and then everyone who's listening to come up with what you think the characters the, the characters that we read about in this particular book are thankful for. Seeing that it is Thanksgiving this Thursday. That's cool. Yes, good idea. We'll talk about that next time. Yes, okay, so... On hump day. Oh, by the way, Selena, I ran into Winterku on the streets of New York. I I forgot to tell you. That's exciting. That sounds like a good story. Yeah. Cool. He sends his love. Okay. Well, cool. So so send us your what you think the Game of Thrones characters are thankful for um, in any of the ways uh, previously mentioned Facebook, Twitter, or email well thank you for listening it's great to have you back it's great to have you Selena it is great to be back and we will talk to you all on Wednesday until then